Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, an Oscar race checkpoint, which I think I'm actually titling in the right way this time, is what this episode is. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Yeah, I think I have COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that was funnier than it is, but I I did come into contact with somebody who has it, and now I'm feeling weird. I'm just feeling like all symptomy. And Keanu Reeves is what tipped me off that I might have COVID because, Mike, I took a page out of your book and I turned into kind of a trash viewer. You know, I, I, uh-huh. I kind of I indulged myself last night. Knock, sure. knock. As you should. Knock, knock has beautiful naked women in it. It has Keanu Reeves in it. It's Eli Roth. It's on Netflix. I know it's bad on the Rotten Tomato meter, but everybody is watching it on Netflix. It was in their top five, top ten for like the last two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Just a trashy, mm-hmm. trashy movie. I hate Eli Roth. I've hated his whole career except for his <laughs> one cameo in a Tarantino movie. But I have to watch Keanu Reeves get tormented for two hours and then cry. I watched Keanu Reeves cry I break out in a cold sweat, and I'm wondering, is this just my reaction to John Wick crying? And then I'm, I remember, I'm, no, I'm quarantining now for a reason. And that prob- old famous game show, is yeah. it Keanu or is it COVID? It's yes, COVID. I think. Well, the cat's out of the bag. I mean, I was going to go into this saying, you know, we're, we're going to try to record two episodes today and have stuff to play back to back. But the reality is we just need to store as much content as we can until I, I get time to find a new co-host from when you inevitably pass away from this horrible disease. So, oh, my God. Uh, I, I hope if it was if the rules were reversed. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, oh, you'd be dead already. I'd be dead. Right. right. You have a chance with this thing, which is the nice way to do this. So, I have been I, taking my vitamin D gummies every day religiously. Right. For so weeks. I'm hoping you are at least asymptomatic and get through quarantine and you can, you know, you and everyone that you've come in contact with is able to pull through the other side and you're all okay and everything's all right. And it's terrible that you have to now deal with this. And I, I, I just I feel for you, man. It's either that or this is my last performance. And uh, I guess we're going out with a bang because uh, Gotham Noms. I always wanted to go out on the Gotham Noms. So Would you interest you in a night at the theater, Mrs. Lincoln? Okay, yes. Let's talk about the Gotham Noms. They came out today. This Oscar race check we're in as we finally have some actual honest-to-goodness award nominations to talk about and get through for this hellscape that has been 2020. Uh, all right. So let's talk about last year's Gotham winners to set the table here for a second, Mike. Mm-hmm. Because last year at the this show, this was the Noah Baumbach story, right? Marriage Story had a huge night. It won Best Feature. It won Screenplay. It won Actor. They also were the three categories that carried over into Oscar nominations for that movie as well. Going down the card, we had American Factory won both the Gotham and the Doc Feature Oscar later on. And Aquafina from The Farewell took Actress at the Gotham noms, even though she was eventually snubbed by the Academy. Yeah, and other than the Aquafina snub, which we were against, by the way, I mm-hmm. mean, when we were ranking our actors, 
actresses last year. Uh, other than that, we have had kind of a steady crossover between the Gotham Awards, which kicks off every award season with an indie film award show. I mean, these are budgets that are under uh, $35 million with a few caveats involved. These are American films from American producers other than the international film category. And overall, I mean, there is a best feature crossover to talk about the biggest category between the Gothams and Best Picture. Four out of the last 11 years, they have shared a winner with Moonlight, Spotlight, Birdman being a three-year run there where they yeah. got it right each of those years. And then you can go back to The Hurt Locker as the, the other latest uh, entry. But usually, you know, Call Me By Your Name, it wins the Gotham, it gets nominated at the Academy Awards. You just mentioned Marriage Story. We think The Rider was a was a great film from yeah. Chloe Zhao, but I think uh, it got overlooked that year, but that was another worthy winner. So they've nominated and uh, picked some cool stuff. It, uh, it does matter for the Oscars, though. And as for nominees themselves, the Gotham Best Feature noms have been nominated for Best Picture. 14 of the last 50 noms that have been out there. That's a rate of 28% yeah, over not the good. last 10 years. Uh, but that's just the best picture crossover. You said it. Not a great, you know, telling of things to come necessarily. But Gotham feature nominees have been nominated for any Oscars, considering all the categories on Academy Sunday. Twenty-seven of the last fifty best feature Gotham nominees have been nominated for any Oscar whatsoever. So that's more. That's an over fifty percent crossover. If you get nominated as best feature at the Gotham Awards, you're likely going to see more often than not your name appear somewhere on the Academy card. And with the rules in place. It does matter because obviously they're not picking from the full slate. However, in typical MMO fashion, we are going to completely gush with praise, but also throw cold water over a festivity as we do. I'm Michael. so excited to do that for this one in particular as well. All right, let's talk the good news first. Uh, we have a major story. We have a celebratory uh, marker in film history where we have... The Gotham Best Feature category at this year's award show nominating five films, all of which come from female directors. Yes. Worthy of praise. I, I mean, that's something that should be celebrated. That's an awesome, awesome moment here. Here's the rundown. The nominations for Best Feature are Chloe Zhao's Nomadland and Eliza Hittman's Never Rarely Sometimes Always. Neither of those are going to be surprising to uh, us in particular and anyone who has listened mm -hmm. to us in reviewing those films. Uh, Kelly Reichert's First Cow... This is the first of that movie's four nominations on the day. Kitty Green's The Assistant gets its lone nomination here in Best Feature. And uh, Relic from Natalie Erica James is the fifth Best Feature nominee for the Gotham Awards. So it's very cool, but we're seeing a trend with these Gotham Awards. So you ready for the cold water? Go for it. Everybody's probably asking right now, Minari, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, they're all going to show up elsewhere in these nominations, but they're not here? Yeah, it's curious. I'm guessing it might be because they weren't predicted for best feature by trusted friend of MMOs, Clayton Davis, over at Variety now. So, you know, we don't know for sure, but it, you have faith somebody out there does. Yeah, we don't know if it's <laughs> if they're eligible for every category. Like, I tried to read these rules, and I... Fell asleep, I think. It, it, it honestly becomes fool's gold it, or this early. I mean, well, 2020 aside, but just this early in general in the awards season. True. 
to try and get everything in order because it's everything is so in flux and that's even down to the applicable rules and eligibility requirements. So uh, you just kind of we especially tend to be just along for the ride at this point before we start trying to find our footing. I did do some research, though, and this yep. does happen every year. I mean, going back to 2013, Dallas Buyers Club won McConaughey an actor award. It did not get nominated for best feature at the Gotham's. Whiplash was nominated in an acting award. It did not get nominated in best feature. Same for Room, Heller Highwater, Lady Bird, and Black Klansman, Michael. So that's six years between 2013 and 2018 where it happened each and every year that you know, future Best Picture nominees and future Oscar winners right. in some of those cases did not find itself in the Best Feature Five at the Gotham's. And that's the question, the obvious question from that is, so why does this keep happening? And again, your guess is as good as ours right now, but that is good news, at least, for the likes of Minari, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, because it does happen nearly every single year where the Gothams nominate a future Best Picture nominee in either Best Actor, Actress, or Screenplay, but that movie doesn't make the Best Feature category at the Gothams overall. It's also important to note that, yes, the Gothams are always exciting because they kind of kick off the awards season, you got to take these for what they are sometimes, too. So I think that's a good holistic picture. We're going to dive into the individual nominees and categories as we go. So let's get to the rest of the 2020 Gotham noms, and we'll ease up on the stats and just talk about the films from here on out. We promise. Sort of. Yeah, don't promise too hard because I do have a schmattering. I wouldn't dream of it. I have a schmattering of simple counting stats that uh, basically I think that we make up for in talent with just sheer computative tolerance. Endurance, you know, just right. <laughs> you had me at computation, sir. All right. Best actor. We have Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal. We have Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We have Jude Law from The Nest. We have John Magaro from First Cow and Jesse Plemons, MMO favorite from I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Michael. So you mean to tell me the slow movie about the Korean family moving to Arkansas to farm produce wasn't a big hit, huh? Uh, that was a joke that have ruffled a lot of feathers that I made on yeah, Twitter, and I wanted to say it here. I, I, I'm not sorry for it. But yeah, no Steven Yeun from Minari. Probably, at least as far as film Twitter goes, the biggest obvious omission from there. I, I can see the anger in eschewing Minari in favor of the love first cow has gotten. I haven't seen The Nest yet. I can't comment on whether or not Jude Law and The Nest actually pops up a couple times as we go on here. But Riz Ahmed seems obvious. Chadwick Boseman is another one that seems obvious. Jesse Plemons might be a little bit of a surprise. It's a pleasant surprise for us, though. We thought it was a good movie. Yeah. I don't think that'll factor in at all to the Academy Awards. Me either. As we've you know, talked about ad nauseum, that movie is just inaccessible for any academy i don't care right, how new right. they are that's a that's a weird movie that we liked but we're weird uh steven Yeun not getting nominated for minari here especially after all the coverage is a little worrisome uh kingsley benadir uh he got nominated in breakthrough actor and we'll explain this kind of dichotomy in a minute other than that mike my biggest snub was winston duke for nine days and yeah. i don't I don't know if Nine Days was eligible. I, I wonder if it was. Edson Oda should have gotten nominated for Breakthrough Director. It was his debut, and I can't believe he's not there in that category that we'll talk about. So Chadwick is here. He's in lead actor. He's the you know presumed front runner right now. This is good for his resume. It's good for Riz Ahmed's resume as well from Sound of Metal there. But you I would have to think. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. 
the the obviously the heart the emotion of this is going to be just carrying Chadwick all the way through Academy Sunday, isn't it? Doesn't it kind of start here? Well, I'm worried that Ma Rainey didn't show up anywhere else. Like Viola Davis is not going to be in. Yeah, the, that's uh, true. This actress. That's fight. actually the same. That's the same thinking I was thinking for why people who are in love with Minari should be worried because the fact that they did put it in to actress, but it doesn't not only it fails not only the other acting category here, but also the best feature category. Even though we had all those stats that says it's not the end of the world, I think that would be a little bit of a red flag for me going forward too for Minari. So I can understand your concern with uh, Ma Rainey. Could it still win the audience award? Sure. It got nominated and the audience award at the Gotham is going to choose from all of these nominated films. But is it uh, is it a problem? It might be. Again, it happens every year where these, you know, movies that eventually get nominated to Best Picture, etc. get snubbed at the Gotham's. But, you know, Nomadland is is all over the place. And, you know, Nomadland could easily win that audience award because mm-hmm. we have Chloe Jabi and a, a Gotham favorite from from mm-hmm. years past, for sure. So good point. I don't know. We can move on. We can talk about Best Actress here. The nominees are Nicole Bahari for Miss Juneteenth. That's from Vertical Entertainment. Jesse Buckley, maybe you've heard of her from I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix. Yoo Jung Yoon makes it in the Best Actress wow. category from Minari, that of A24. Carrie Coon, again, from The Nest, which is an IFC Films presentation. And, of course, Frances McDormand, her role in Nomadland from Searchlight Pictures makes the field. So I think, you know, Julia Garner getting snubbed for the assistant. That was a little. I don't know how you have the assistant as best feature if you're not going to bother putting Garner in this category. That was a big. That surprise. doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean that that was a showcase for her. I thought. Right, she is the movie, is she not? I mean, they're spreading the love. It seems perhaps, but yeah, Viola Davis not being here is a shock. Ye Ye Han getting snubbed in favor of her co-star from Minari. I, I don't know who I would pick. I'm very close on the both of them, and I'm glad they're in separate categories in other award shows. I mean, McDormand is the only obvious one here. I'm glad to see someone like Nicole Bahari getting kind of that indie film love. I, yep. I did enjoy Miss Juneteenth, and I, uh, I, I reviewed it a couple months back. But, uh, yeah, this is weird. This is a weird category because, you know, Clayton Davis predicted these a couple weeks ago. It was a great article, and, and he had, like, you know, Shirley's Elizabeth Moss and Vanessa Kirby, the Venice winner from Pieces of a Woman, and he had Carrie Mulligan from Promising Young Woman, uh, for that matter. So a lot of snubs in this category. It's it's weird, and again, I we don't know. I certainly don't. You have a better grasp of it than I do, and, and you seem to be having trouble right now. Like I, I'm assuming Michelle Pfeiffer wasn't in consideration for this. I don't that think the so. French exit didn't make the field or whatever. But she wasn't predicted, so I'm guessing no. Yeah, right. I mean, so there's all kinds of questions as to what exactly is going on with these categories. But based on what we do have here. It's going to be fun to talk about and parse through Jesse Buckley versus Francis McDormand for that category. I don't think there's going to be a huge upset, and Buckley may not even finish second. But for me, just looking at those, if I had to rank those performances, those are probably the top two from where I sit. Yeah, it could be. I really like uh, the Minari performances. I'm curious about Carrie Coon, but I yeah, I don't know how you basically take a Francis McDormand who as you mentioned during our Nomadland non-spoiler review is in like 97% of that movie being showcased and compare that to kind of a bit part in Minari there, the, the lovable that, Well, that's the, And that's another thing I would, I, and again, I don't mean to be, look, I take joy in, in like puncturing the trolling sacred people. cows of yeah, film. You, right, yeah, I, you do. That's, that's an easy way. I was trying to be political about it, but you're right. I take joy in trolling people, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not rooting against the Minari per se, but if I were to look at the Minari performances, right, mm-hmm. 
and again, the Gothams are the Gothams, and they are what they are, taken for a grain of salt. But if I were to look at the Minari performances, and this is the only one that makes the field, it's the elderly grandmother that was so irresistible anyway, and like was so charming, and blah blah blah. It's it, it's to me, it's wow. That's a that's a reason to be concerned that that's the only one that broke through. That doesn't speak to a campaign for me or it doesn't speak to a lot of momentum that this film has then again you also said it at the beginning this is way too early and we have yep, it is absolutely we have early. contradicting stat uh, contradicting and stats here. i don't think people realize mike for that matter how early it is right now like i, I understand there's this impatience for people to want to get the year going and it's november and yeah. it's almost thanksgiving on the road but like Thinking back to this past year's Oscars Mm -hmm. and how much you and I fit into those two weeks in the lead up to the Oscars show and how much things change and the narratives changed and the awards were going this way and that way. Like you have those two weeks four times over added on to the end of this schedule. Like we're not in November right now for all intents and purposes. Right now, this is mid-September, the beginning of September. This is the Goldfinch era right now this is you know if we're going by a regular calendar so i i understand the the excitement everyone has that we have awards to talk about and all this but it's still so early in the calendar i agree and there's there's no question that uh i think you know talking about the calendar last week with ryan i do think some other movies may come back into the fray but in terms of getting a sense that the indie film slate might carry through to the Oscars in a year without a lot of studio pictures. I don't know. To, to play devil's advocate for a second, you, you may have more indie films there at the end of the day that Ann Thompson, many have predicted as much. So I, I know you're saying it's early, but a lot of these films are kind of circling and here they are tabbed with nominations. So you just never, you never know. We may not get another 20 major studio films we're probably not going to get that amount where they only have one or two you know campaigns in them because it's just not releasing on the wide scale so i i I do think i do think it's going to be a a little stranger and more indie like this year at the oscars that's why you know i kind of wanted to blow out the gotham film segment uh on this show because i i could could be more predictive than we think well, it is also a testament to what the year has been in that we're talking about all these independent films and their stuff we've kind of, you know, we we had to review just because it's the only new stuff that was out there. You know, not that not saying we wouldn't have gotten to it in a regular award season. Anyway, no, we have. But we're we're far more familiar with them at this point than I would think we usually are when it comes to Gotham nominees. I, I certainly I mean, you're on top of yourself, yeah. but I'm certainly surprised at how well I know all these films already. I have been doing all our past episode pages on our website. Mm-hmm. And the number and doing a great job. Well, the number of indie films that you and I have reviewed and that we've gushed over in the past and that we've screamed about not getting nominated for yeah. Nevermind Gotham's, but uh, further down the line at the other precursors. I mean, it's a ton of them from Leave No Trace to The Rider, etc. I think they were both in that same year or, or maybe back to back years. Uh, it's all blending together. It's a lot of copy and pasting, <laughs> by the way. Copy and pasting and Photoshopping kind of thing. Anyway. Mike, we got to get to copy paste actor. COVID. It's the news. The twenty twenty eat pray love is what you're saying, right? Is that what gave, gave me COVID? Oh, copy paste COVID. Copy yeah. paste COVID. Yeah. That's breakthrough my actor. Breakthrough <laughs> right, actor. Go ahead. Jasmine Bachelor from the Surrogate. That's from Monument Releasing. Kingsley Benadir does make his uh, name known here from One Night in Miami and Amazon Studios. Sydney Flanagan from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, a performance we did gush over in the past uh, from Focus Features. Orion Lee, first cow is everywhere on these noms from A24 again, and Kelly O'Sullivan from Saint Francis 
That's from I will give you a dollar if you can tell me what studio has St. Francis without looking it up, Michael. It's, I'm staring right at it, so I can't. I really can't <laughs> Oscilloscope help you. Laboratories. I try. I was doing some research on them before we. Uh, oh yeah. We hit record here today. Yeah. I mean, nothing I've heard of, but this is why we do the show, right? Did you research them just because you like their name? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? A double L in there? You start with a vowel? That's a Wheel of Fortune dream. Wow. What does oscilloscope mean? Does, is it some kind of a telescope thing? I do not know. So you looked all of that up. Mm, it, was a, yeah. it was a term that intrigued you, but you didn't right. look up what an oscilloscope is. I had to both uh, do my own research to satiate my own crazy headspace, as well as prepare for this episode, as well as combat all of film Twitter, because I dared talk ill about Minari this yeah. afternoon. So I was really working with three hands here all, all day. It could be an Oscar telescope, though. I mean, this is, <laughs> all right, we'll go with an Oscar yeah. telescope. You went, you went all that way. I, went, I made my joke, and you just went right on top of it with yours, you yes, bastard. <laughs> I do that all the time. That's because we don't listen to each other when we speak. All right. And that's our review of St. Francis. <laughs> no, like, I reviewed it months ago, you ass. Don't you remember? Anyway. Uh, there's a great babysitting uh, mentor story. She's a great babysitter. Anyway, nanny, sec, etc. All right. <laughs> I, do, I do remember you. Ruining the, it. Ru- the rules for the breakthrough category are strange and they're vague. And I kind of need a lawyer to look at these. But basically, if you look at all the, the noms in the actor, actress categories and in this category, I didn't see any any in common like you'll have timothy chalamet or lucas hedges getting nominated for their eventual oscar nominations or 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 what have you but they'll only go and break through and then you'll see daniel kaluuya and he'll only go an actor for get out so the gothams tend to they tend to make a decision and put put them one or the other and i wrote down the big rule but i don't even want to read it so basically that's what it what it boils down to you you have basically one track to get in yeah, you can't so, you can't play both categories, which I mean, you know, spread the love makes sense, and if you're going to a breakthrough, it makes sense to shine the spotlight on the kind of the younger people, which is what breakthrough tends to do anyway. So it doesn't necessarily hurt Kingsley Benadire or Sidney Flanagan right. or Ryan Lee because they've all, yep. all all been discussed in the major categories, and then you got the two indie darlings here. I have not watched The Surrogate yet. I know that's on a lot of virtual cinemas right now. Uh, Middleburg, I think, is still showing it. The MiddleburgFilm.org, and then uh, Saint Francis is all over VOD right now. I I recommend that. It's a solid B movie, really fun movie. Uh, and uh, like I said, good nanny movie, great nanny movie. I'll, I'll actually jump up and say, I am happy to see Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always pop up a couple times. Though right? I'm glad that movie hasn't been forgotten here. Let's not forget that issue either. Anyway, yeah, best screenplay, Michael. We have Bad Education. This was the HBO original movie with Hugh Jackman. Uh, that that's been written by Mike Makowski, who is also in. Uh, in a world with uh, monsters, right? I was, and, I was, God damn it! Yeah, go incorporated. Ahead. I was gonna make the joke. I was gonna say he is a one-eyed man living in your closet. But go ahead. Well, again, we step on each other's jokes as a <laughs> as a rhythm, as a usual rhythm of MMO here. So let me move on to first cow. We have our own written rules. <laughs> first cow that was written by John Raymond and Kelly Riker. Uh, the forty-year-old version from Rada Blank was fun, and I really enjoyed the third act of that screenplay. Just some. You know some ballsy movements of that movie. I, have that to watch that. I, I haven't have reviewed to watch that it. here yet, but yeah, it's it's worth watching. Uh, Fourteen from Dan Sallet is a grasshopper film. By the way, you're talking about production companies. Uh, I, I I think it's playing virtually. I, it's another film I've missed. The Vast of Night we both reviewed a couple months ago that had the trippy ending. 
Yeah, look, uh, that was my first takeaway from this category. Relic in the Best Feature category, Vast of Night here. They're not sci-fi or horror movies that I'm crazy about, but mm-hmm. I'm glad to see them get the shine here on the Gotham stage and be nominated alongside all these other big-time contenders that everyone assumes are going to be players come Oscars time anyway. So that's great for the genres, I think. Though if you told me that uh, Eliza Hittman had a chance at getting nominated at the Oscars, I would probably say it's original screenplay and never rarely sometimes always is not here. And Lee Isaac Chung is not here for Minari. And... Uh, Promising Young Woman and Miss Juneteenth and Nomadland and One Night Miami, My Rainey's Black Bottom, Shirley. These have been heavy hitter uh, contenders, at least in our discussions throughout the year for adapted screenplay those last four. So this is a strange category. You got a TV movie that went for Emmys and I don't think it's going for Oscars. And then you got four, you know, indie films that a lot of people give the thumbs up to and we... You know, I, I've seen three out of those four, and I've given my thumbs up too. But it's, it's strange when you consider them going up against a Nomad Land or One Night in Miami, and the Gotham's go with the indie films. I wonder how much year-to-year translation there is in this voting body with the Gotham's too. I mean, we know you touched on this before, but we know Chloe Zhao is a big favorite of the Gotham voting body, mm-hmm. and we see Nomad Land pop up here. We know Kelly Riker is a big favorite of the Gotham voting body. She won one of the awards last year. I can't remember off the top of my head. She shows up in four or five categories here. So I, I just wonder how much of it is, you know, Noah Baumbach is a huge New York City guy, and he had his big night. Yeah. I just wonder how much of that kind of plays itself in, whether subconsciously or otherwise, into this uh, the voting. Because you're right, on its face, those questions are apparent, I would say. I mean, it's fair to question why some of these movies, why some of these screenplays in spe- uh, specifically are sitting by the wayside, whereas First Cow is in here again. I mean, First <laughs> Cow's a tough movie. Look, this is part of my conversation with Minari. If you're going to be so slow and so niche, you need to kind of be outstanding in other ways to get the kind of momentum. That, and I understand. Look, I get it. I get it. I know I, there's people yeah. that think Minari does that, and I'm not. But my point overall is those types of movies, I think, are tougher to have wider acceptance and yet First Cow keeps showing up here in the Gotham categories. Yeah, I don't get why you you think Minari is such an arm's length, but, uh, you know, for an Oscar voter. Like, to me, that's a movie about a family. There's a lot of laughs in it. And, yeah, it gets a little, you know, like literature in the third act, but... Uh, well, I say the third the third act is what I said in our review, too. I just... I, I There were compromising circumstances that I found it in decisions made by the characters that I found hmm. very difficult and it could be me being out of touch with that culture too because there were it's the same one of the same complaints I had about Parasite the way the characters were constituted the way the decisions they made in the third act made no I found them completely unrelatable so it could totally be a me problem and I'm willing to admit that and if that's the case then I'd been wrong before certainly well, the great American novel The Grapes of Wrath ends with a grown ass man breastfeeding from an elderly woman <laughs> So that's literature for you and for us and for the world. So Minari is not that. And yet I think it's uh, it packs a lot of substance for a lot of people. I, I think I will like Minari more upon rewatch. But I, even I gave it like a strong B plus 88 first blush grade. So, yeah, I don't again, I don't understand. Uh, 
I don't understand how you get like uh, this has been my crazy. stance. Like yeah. it, it's, it's just been my stance, though. At least yeah, I'm consistent. If nothing else. No, but here's what I don't get. No, you're yeah. a total hypocrite. Don't. Oh no, don't I, I, I'm going to I'm going to argue with you. But, but go ahead. But you love trash TV. And you love reality shows. But I wouldn't nominate them movies, for these awards. But then you hold such a high pompous, pompously high standard for these Academy Award movies, and I get it. I think we are in, a, in our way gatekeepers to an extent. But like, can't like, don't let good be the enemy or great be the enemy of good, you know? Why not? No, no, no. I I, I disagree with that <laughs> as a premise. Why not? Why do we have to just say if a movie's good, it deserves to be awards? Like, can a movie just be good? I'm saying, can it just be entertaining? Let's do the best we can and nominate the best of the year, and that does. I agree. I don't think that's it. I said when we reviewed Minari, I said, look, if this is the best in cinema that we have to offer, this is when I first started pitching this line. If this is the best of the year, we don't have to have the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, but it happens every, like, uh, I mean, look, I've been grading these movies for, 20, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, well, 10 years, 10 years. Strong grades every year. Boom. I have a long, ridiculously long Google document. Now, B plus 88, 89s typically win Best Picture. Sure. Those are my I thought grades. It was well, so, and I thought it was short of that. Didn't I give it a B minus? Yeah. Well, you... I mean, do, why, isn't, it, can't it, isn't it okay to just be like, it's an okay movie. It's good. It's fun. I had fun. Right, I liked it. my grades matter more than your... <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. All right, look. <laughs> yeah, but, well, you know, seriously, that's the, that's the thinking on film Twitter. Like, I just I'm getting I yelled at for it. I strange that you, you don't have Minari... Uh, the exact same grade as me, and yeah. I will uh, give you shit for it. For until I'll, uh, I'll 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 try to do better, Dad. I, I would appreciate <laughs> that, but I think you went all alphabet soup on the nominations. Nomadland actually got snubbed here in in screenplay, and uh, that that's a surprise because she's probably a major contender in adapted. Right? Do you and think HBO's? Do you think HBO is kicking themselves for? If Bad Education is the type of screenplay that's being received at a greater rate let's say than Nomadland for instance do you think HBO is kicking themselves for not at least trying to schedule one screening in a theater before the pandemic hit for it I'm pretty sure it won uh, an Emmy so right didn't Hugh Jackman win I think so I think so I don't have the Emmy recall that I have for the keep, keep talking I'll look it up anyway I think uh, I think yeah Brad Education is in my top 10 on the year or top 12 still I mean, it was a strong movie. Again, again, I don't have any great movies this year. I have a lot of very, very good movies. I have a lot of B pluses. The only A minus I have is Hamilton, for Christ's sake. Yeah. So right now, and, and obviously that doesn't count. So, so right now, I'm without that great movie like you. But again, I just you know, I, I like to be, I like to be hopeful that we'll still get. You're it. a man of the people, and I hate the people. You get mad at the people <laughs> for saying great is good or good is great. I don't know what your I don't know what your point is, but I, I think I'm starting to get it. Anyway, the forty year old version, genuinely funny on Netflix. Rada Blank does a great job. I, I like the third act. Bad Education had a strong script, uh, and uh, the Vast of Night was weird, but kind of a, a good weird once it once it got going. I didn't like the first twenty minutes. Just as a means of cleaning up shop, first of all, outstanding lead actor in a limited series, Hugh Jackman was nominated for Bad Education. Bad Education did win the outstanding television movie at the Emmys. Okay. Uh, my question is, we're talking about red flags and we're talking about the different nominees and trying to read the tea leaves a little bit hurt. Would you be concerned with the way, knowing how the Gothams do feel about Chloe Zhao, that it didn't get into this category? Again, it's hard to get concerned about anything right now. Agree. And we're, we're talking way too much 
to uh, make that statement with. Uh, yeah, <laughs> also I, true. I mean, seriously, I mean, we're talking about the Gotham Awards like crazy in this episode, and then we're saying, no, nah, but it doesn't matter yet. No, you're probably right. I, like, I, I am a little concerned that she is not front and center uh, for that screenplay, which I figured would have gotten nominated because of the story behind the book, behind the, you know, the actual, jur- you know, level of uh, investigative journalism there done by the writer of the book. And then Chloe Zhao, she directs all the non-actors and she, you know, composites all of these characters from the book. It was supposed to be about Swanky, but then Francis McDormand's involved. And then there's, you know, the freaking guy from Good Night and Good Luck doing a non-acting right. performance. And, and, yeah, right. I mean, she's pulling a lot of things together with that adapted screenplay. Uh, I mean, it really is an auteur's work. Where are you giving the credit? I figured the Academy, especially that writer's branch, would go insane for the adapted screenplay. And I'm, I'm turning out to be wrong so far. It, it, it seems, at, at least... You know, to me, what the Gotham's do every year is they highlight the one. This is the the independent movie that we're going to get behind, and they give that a ton of noms. And, and, and you know, I'm I'm talking yeah. from my. You know, I'm not talking with any numbers behind it. I'm just talking about what it seems like the Gotham's do for me. So if you were to tell me that Nomadland wasn't going to be that movie, and Minari's not going to be that movie, but First Cow is, th- <laughs> that's very surprising to me. I totally agree. Like, First Cow should be Minari. Just, we should right. scratch out First Cow. Right. That should be Minari based on right. everybody's, you know, exactly. what they've said lately. But you're right. I think you and I would say it should be Nomadland. But is this category doing what this category does at the Oscars and giving, you know, the first-time screenwriters, you know, a chance here? And maybe that's what's going on here, too. And in an awkward edit, one last thing before we move <laughs> on, because I forgot to mention this stat. The best kinds of edit. Right. First Reformed won in 2018. That got nominated. Like I said, Marriage Story won last year. That got nominated at the Oscars. Uh, The Favorite got nominated in both. But this category does have a track record of, you know, omitting some future nominees. I mean, you don't have to go back back very far. Like Black Klansman, Spike Lee won at the Oscars, and it wasn't nominated at the Gothams. If Beale Street Could Talk, Can You Ever Forgive Me, nominated at the at the Oscars, not at the Gothams, even like a WGA winner that you figure would be nominated at the Gothams, like an eighth grade from Bo Burnham, that is not nominated at the Gothams in that year. So they do have a, of a, they have a unique taste, let's just say. It's a seesaw. It's, you got to take these as seriously as you can, but also don't take them seriously. You know, when it comes to Oscars prognostication, it's, it's a really back and forth. I'll say this. If I'm if I'm completely wrong about Minari and this is Minari is going to be the independent movie to see and it carries nine, you know, Academy Award nominations, we'll have Ryan McQuaid on the show live to slap me in the mouth. I think that's fair for everybody involved. I think so, too. And I look right. forward to it. <laughs> we touched on this category already. Moving right along the Bingham Ray Breakthrough Director Award. The nominees here are Rada Blank for the 40-year-old version from Netflix, Channing Godfrey Peoples for Miss Juneteenth from Vertical, Alex Thompson for St. Francis from Oscilloscope Labs, my new favorite studio, (laughs) Carlo Mirabella Davis for Swallow, which I almost hit play on the other night and Mm. now seeing it nominated here, I wish I had. That's from IFC Films. Andrew Patterson for The Vast of Night as well from Amazon. Yeah, I haven't seen Swallow yet. I am afraid to watch it because it's it's that... uh, actress who's in hillbilly elegy i should look up her name but she 
is just swallowing tax. It's disgusting. What's going on? It's I'm I'm grossed out. It's got one of the most intriguing premises I've ever seen on a Hunter, a newly Ugh. pregnant housewife, finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous Ugh. objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. That's an A and E movie. I you know have, that's an <laughs> that's a documentary on A and E or something. I have avoided that movie for months. Like it's been totally available. Totally available, mm-hmm. and I'm terrified of it because mm-hmm. I don't want her. Wa- I don't want to watch her shit out tax. There's something about it, like even the marketing they've nailed for this. The just how she looks on that poster against that red backdrop. Even it's yeah. just so yeah. Yeah. appealing. Well, we at least we don't talk past each other uh, when we're on the podcast. <laughs> let's get into documentary. Well, I'm not, I can't convince you to watch it. I'm not going to try to. I understand. <laughs> I think it's disgusting. I think it's great. I think it's disgusting. What's <laughs> the last back and forth? We're insane, Mike. We have to talk about documentary features, and I've saved the Gotham uh, documentaries here for this segment because we got a bunch of doc uh, awards to go over. The Critics' Choice Doc Awards came out. The Doc NYC Film Festival shortlist came out, and and that's going to be a big shortlist as we as we'll. Uh, drive home in this but basically documentary feature is probably the most fully formed category thus far and i'm obsessed with it because they're so weird in in terms of their nominating so let's let's talk about it yeah in other words we really have to do this because my co-host is an actual crazy person that has been obsessed with this category correct which is understandable so let's talk about the uh the gotham noms this year mike Look, can I explain myself for a half a second? Sure. Every time I have a favorite, and it's not just a favorite, but like an A grade, this is this is an unsnubbable yeah. documentary, yep. then that branch doesn't nominate it. Yeah, it's a, it's a you you're falling right in line with the you're you're on a one man crusade here. The documentary feature branch is nuts. <laughs> I think it's crazy of you to dedicate so much time and trying to figure out if you have all the branches and the categories you could try to figure out for the Oscars. You go for the one that is batshit crazy. It's hu- so it's hubris because I feel, I tip my cap to you. No, it's hubris. I I okay. feel if I can figure them out then I can figure it all out and I'll be perfect <laughs> in all my predictions from here to forthwith. But it's not going to happen, is it? Well, let's let's start with the Gotham noms and just see what we have. So go ahead. All right, so this year's Gotham noms are a bit strange because they're not going to necessarily line up with all of the Doc NYC's shortlist. But all right, here we go. 76 Days, which I'll review in a few minutes. City Hall, which I've mentioned with Andrew. That is a four-hour long uh, New York Film Festival doc about uh, meetings at uh, the political <laughs> level that I refuse to see. Our Time Machine, I have no idea what that is. That's Again, you, know, you can study this category for months and then a right. new one will just pop up, and then you yep. feel stupid, and that—that's what I feel right now. <laughs> a thousand cuts. I'm going to watch tonight at Doc NYC, so I'm excited about that. I watched Time yesterday, which is a very strange double feature with Knock Knock, but I managed to do it before I realized I had COVID. <laughs> Happened. What a sentence. What a 2020 sentence. Okay. Uh, just in terms of some <laughs> documentaries that we have mentioned here lately, there's no boy state here. No welcome to Chesh- Chechnya. Uh, no the dissident. The second major predictive doc feature event comes with the doc NYC shortlist. Michael Ann Thompson has been on this. She thoroughly researched on IndieWire this week. Last year's doc NYC shortlist had 13 of the 15 docs that would eventually end up 
up on the Oscar short list and 24 of the past 25 docs that were nominated in the doc feature category at the Academy Awards were first screened at doc NYC Michael and she could have written like another thousand words there but I basically quoted her counting stat that she put in her article <laughs> and that is okay. that's why she's the best yeah but no it's confirmation bias you see because I that's all I can do is counting stats I'm not the insider <laughs> she is and I just I feel really good about my counting stats is what I'm trying to say good <laughs> I'm glad. We're going to center on the the 15 film shortlist here. I said A Thousand Cuts will be the movie I watched tonight, so I won't talk about that. But the other 14 films I do want to mention. And I also want to say that we're not going to go into the Critics' Choice Documentary of Film Awards analysis today because I am angry with them. Each of the last three years, they have picked my favorite film. And they agree with me, and then they get snubbed at the Academy Awards. So I'm not going to talk about their noms. Those noms I will throw out, and I will say don't matter. But the Doc NYC shortlist obviously matters, and it matters a great deal. 24 out of the last 25, that's the highest crossover stat we've ever seen. Yeah, that's that's a good 96% there, all but one in the last five years. I've started at Doc NYC. All right, so the Doc NYC shortlist had some major snubs. We have Hulu's Totally Under Control, The Dissident, Assassins, Michael. These are documentaries that basically call out world leaders uh, for mm-hmm. being you know real-life villains. You know, Totally Under Control is calling out Trump. Dissident and Assassins, those are calling out other world leaders, and I do wonder if these films are a bit too partisan or too political. I've I've read that in other places, but if you look at the voting history of this category, which, again, this category is nuts. We've said this. The Edge of Democracy basically called out the president of Brazil last year. We've had, I think, three Syrian war documentaries nominated in the last Mm -hmm. two years calling out the, the president over there as being a war criminal, never mind worse. And this year, The Dissident is number one on the Feinberg forecast, the first one of those, and this gets snubbed. So I, I have no idea what they're doing in the documentary film branch, but that, that that's a very contradicting stat about films that call out political leaders. Good films. Yeah, we've we've talked about before here how it's, you know, this is too partisan, this is too political, this is too that, and it's just, this this category is, it's just insane. They do whatever they feel like doing. Let, let's start where we got to start everywhere at this Oscars with Netflix, though, Michael, because they got right. three big ones in. So Netflix has three features shortlisted at Doc NYC, including its most watched doc ever in The Social Dilemma, which, you know, is the exact opposite end where Dick Johnson is dead laced. So that tells you where we're going in terms of oscillating swings back and forth. Right. And Crip Camp is also the third Netflix doc to be featured on this list. All three of those are popular in their own right, obviously. We've talked about each of them here on this show. Unfortunately, though, Mike, the rest of the Netflix documentary slate, which includes A Secret Love, Athlete A, Rising Phoenix, My Octopus Teacher, and Miss Americana, they all miss the shortlist despite all being nominated at the Critics' Choice. So again, we're shooing Critics' Choice discussion to talk about this doc nyc shortlist netflix is down to three three of the 15 and i wonder if they're kind of secretly relieved about this because they can now focus their campaign they've had a lot of similarly graded reviewed films right they've had a lot in in everybody's big list of documentaries that i've been obsessing over for months now and now they're down to three crip camp dick johnson is dead the social dilemma All three are very popular for them, I think, at least in terms of coverage and certainly in terms of the critics. So this might actually help them focus at Netflix. Who was the guy 
that Charlie <laughs> gets into this tailspin with at the company in that episode of Always Sunny that he's been memed after, and he's like, there is no Pepe Silvia. <laughs> That's what I imagine you in your home working through the documentary feature branch with all these synopses and, and plot premises yeah, and yeah, all this going yeah. on is... That's 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 in my head right now. So Go I'm, ahead. I'm supposed to remember the bit character who's probably on <laughs> for an arc of one episode that Charlie Day talked to yeah. in an office episode <laughs> that you don't spe- specify right now. I uh, I don't ask for much. <laughs> <laughs> HBO Max, Mike, they got two documentaries in that I wrote in here because I wanted to review them. I haven't reviewed them yet. Welcome to Chechnya. I watched over the weekend. Uh, this is harrowing and heroic uh, to get away from a goofy-ass It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia joke that we just made. <laughs> Look, I mean, you you got to watch this one because this is basically a modern-day Underground Railroad where they're saving uh, LBGTQ members in Russia from torture and death, and it has one of the biggest emotional reveals, cinematic reveals of the year. So I would want... And that's kind of the sweet spot for the right. doc. I mean, if there is a consistent sweet spot, it's been these kind of politically motivated movies sure. but that say, here's an issue we have, but it's okay because this is the silver lining we'll bring you with it. Like, think American Factory in that way, RBG in that way, The Cave. These are all movies that have been nominated in this category the last couple of years that kind of, they spotlight the issue, but they don't just leave it all at dread. They're not just saying, you know, how dare Donald Trump do this? How dare Jamal Khashoggi's death go unanswered? They're saying, okay, here's the issue, but here's a reason for hope and optimism about and it. And here's an optimistic so, crescendo for the end right. of our documentary film that right. is still a piece of entertainment, even though we're informing the public about what's going on. Right, It's not exactly. a 1970s, you know... A weirdo movie about a cat and a road trip. It's you know, right. a cat and old man and a road trip that has you know just anticlimax. Right. Welcome to Chechnya. Will knock you on your ass. So I could see if if that's that type of tone. And you're right. I do have to check it out for myself. I have not gotten to it yet. But if that's that type of tone, I can see that making the Oscars feel more so than I can certainly. I mean, well, not to say it's not as an important an issue. Clearly, I mean that's not the argument here. But the other HBO Max documentary is one that's really an issue movie. I mean, totally spotlighting this huge problem. On the Record is a a Me Too documentary accusing music mogul Russell Simmons of some serious sexual assaults. And I'll be honest with you, I believe her. It landed with me. I mean, both of these movies are strong B-pluses. I would not begrudge either of them getting nominated at the Oscars, though I wonder if On the Record is making the same kind of campaign or having the same kind of runway that Welcome to Check is but Andrew and I kind of talked about this like how does this category operate this year I mean there are so many important issue movies from right. every issue that is you know I mean from climate change to me too movement to uh, you know civil rights and the prison issues to LBGTQ rights issues my god how, they can't choose based on the issues because there are like 20 major issues represented in all these films it's not gonna yeah, work as if as if that wasn't enough, we also have some more, you know, off-the-cuff off issues, some more lesser-known or lesser, I guess, scrutinized issues, such as Apple TV+. Plus. They got Boy State in this shortlist. Both you and Andrew are very high on that real-life political Lord of the Fly situation yeah. with the boys of the Texas American Legion. I'll just say that's a movie you could watch for five ninety nine a month at Apple TV+, Plus right now, and it is totally worth it. And, <laughs> Mike, I prediction it. I... I, I Picture a young Mike one 
being yeah. able to exist in that environment. Doing there's a lot of movies. Other. There's a lot of movies. I mean, look, cards on the table, a little behind the scenes. My life, my personal life has been hectic lately, and you've done a great job covering it. But there's been a lot of movies I haven't gotten to. But there's some movies I haven't gotten to because I'm afraid of how much I will, like, campaign for them. <laughs> That's one of them. Well, there you just go. hearing everything you've said about it, I just I can't wait. Or you'll be you know grossly disappointed because it won't live up. Right, to either the, or, yeah. no middle ground. Uh, Hulu <laughs> also got the Painter and the Thief, which is a movie that you have reviewed this past spring for us about an artist who becomes lifelong friends with the art thief who stole and lost her most famous paintings. That's actually how we met. Right, right. Yeah, it's a yeah. saga. It's the same saga, <laughs> the same chest, chestnut story, same old chestnut. I'm mixing my metaphors. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Mike, you've also watched a few more streaming docs this weekend the fight on hulu and time on amazon prime both are very very good both strong b grades like i said time is the the most it's the strangest double feature to do with keanu reeves crying (laughs) but i i mean this is a heartbreaking doc about a family whose father slash husband has a 60-year prison sentence for armed robbery in the movie they admit he does it and and he's guilty of it but he was so overly he's so over sentenced for this crime that the wife actually plead down in her case that she's involved the same way as him. And she got three years and he gets 60. And basically it's about the toll that the prison sentence is taking on their family and the six sons who are persevering and this heroic wife slash mother, you know, and, and she's the subject, primary subject of the film. So I was, I was blown away by that one. Talk about, another ending of a film that really knocks you on your butt. I mean, it's really, really great. And then, Mike, if you don't watch the fight on Hulu, I don't know what documentary you would watch. Yeah. They're just You just would give up on the genre, I guess, yeah. if you don't watch that one. So this is one. I, that, I mean, look, it took me a while to get to it as well. I mean, this is about ACLU lawyers. We just went through all of the election season with these issues in this movie, with these court cases in this movie being litigated for months. I know you follow them very closely to the point where you text me all the time about these Supreme Court cases <laughs> that you're just, you know, so depressed about. But this is yeah. the story of, you know, some of those cases, you know, put in a filmic way in terms of, you know, like almost an anthology film about these four sets of lawyers and these four court cases, really five if you count the prologue and epilogue. But, I mean, from the ICE camps to the Trump travel ban to a few more, you know, I, I can't recommend that documentary enough, especially to this you. This is one, yeah, I mean, it's one that's certainly been on my radar. Carrie Washington is one of the producers on it. She's been actually doing the rounds on the news networks, or at least was the week of the election, uh, trying to highlight this, uh, and it's... Definitely one that appeals to me. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, definitely watch that. Otherwise, I uh, wrote copy for you to say about movies that I also reviewed previously. <laughs> right, so let's talk about those now. You guys are getting way, way, a lot of behind the scenes looking at how MMO works. Let's talk about a couple other documentaries where we don't know where they'll be streaming next. Uh, you have reviewed much of the rest of the shortlist, Michael, haven't you? Yes, I Gunda. have. Gunda is, of course, the big documentary produced by Joaquin Phoenix. 76 Days is the immediate look at post-COVID Wuhan, China. You haven't spoken much about the uh, 76 Days one, though, yet. Yeah, set me up to review that, please. Uh, that's all I ask. <laughs> Just read the bold and underlined. Anyway, I, look, I theorized in previous episodes that the Academy, they have been eager to nominate Cinema Verite Docs, which are basically documentaries that are you know, non-interview documentaries that it's just, it's just somebody who's a purist behind the camera 
picking up that camera and documenting real life. I mean, that's the kind of cinema that a cinema verite doc is. 76 Days is just that. There's no interviews, no voiceover, and it's basically them shooting a hospital wing, the same hospital wing in Wuhan, China, for 76 days after the COVID outbreak. And it's terrifying. It's scary. It's funny. You know, you see the the heroes, you know, their day-to-day lives on display, all of these first responders, all of these people, these nurses, these doctors. I mean, they're just totally heroic. and, And that's my biggest takeaway. But I feel like the documentary feature category, they jump every chance they get to nominate one of these Cinema Verite movies, even though they're, they're slow and weird and strange and you almost expect every documentary to have an interview and to have that cadence to it. That's not what you get here. It also would seem to me, mm-hmm. for as much as I think this is going to turn into a storyline where we're going to want nominees and winners at the Oscars this year that make us all feel good, that don't like mire us in despair, I, I would think... If there's a chance to really highlight or underscore or make it, you know, memorable what happened in 2020, what the year of 2020 was, this could be a good chance to jump on that, even with just a cursory nomination in the category at the end of the day. It would make a lot of sense to me, so I could see that happening. As far as other docs on the shortlist, we have MLK FBI, which we have talked about a few times here. It's polarizing, but that's the archival footage doc about J. Edgar Hoover and Martin Luther King Jr. I am Greta. You've mentioned a few times, Mike, that's the inspiring biography doc about climate activists and MMO-approved Messiah Greta Thunberg. (laughs) Uh, The Truffle Hunters, you were not happy about the (laughs) lack of glory shots or you know those those idyllic uh, establishing shots of food but you were liking that documentary overall i did but there's and, not enough food porn in a food doc right Give me a break. right which is i mean that's disqualifying in and of itself if you ask Correct. me and there's collective which you hadn't yet seen when we did our film festival variety show i wanted to ask you about that one so this is the recent healthcare scandals in romania yes and did you have any, this is one that I was going to ask you about when we were talking, when we did that episode running down everything you had seen. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, are there any crossovers or parallels between what's going on in that doc and what's happening here in our country? Yeah, I had to erase that question because I hadn't seen it yet. And I am a healthcare documentary nut guru at this point. Okay. I, so that I can <laughs> speak to this. But, like, I am shocked by this documentary. The first... You know, 30 minutes follows investigative journalists who are basically breaking these scandals uh, mm-hmm. nationwide in Romania. And no, I don't think our healthcare system is in the same plight that they're in, but okay. our journalists are under fire as much as those journalists are under fire over there because of, you know, certain regimes you know, putting pressure and putting scorn on journalists' names. So this is a situation where actually their journalists are able to function a little more freely than ours might be right now. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, I, maybe I'm just being, you know, uh, doom and gloom in that respect. But uh, I, I'm worried that our healthcare system could become uh, in such dire straits as they are in because they made certain mistakes. They skimped on certain, you know, uh, price points and therefore an entire wing of their every hospital is unable to care for this type of patient and they have to outsource a certain type of patient to other countries but they don't and therefore they have all these healthcare nightmares and the first 30 minutes of the movie is from one pov and the second uh stretch of the film is actually bouncing back and forth between the journalists 
and an entirely other POV, Michael, that I just think you would be fascinated to learn about. And I was, I mean, it's just a serious level of access that they get for this healthcare crisis that I can't imagine, you know, like, like I can't imagine us, you know, having anyone from the Trump administration or the Obama administration for that matter being, you know, interviewed about the crisis as they're going through the crisis. And that's essentially what they have going on here in Romania. Oh, God. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that was like the, you know, Icarus was an eye popping doc in the, in the level of access we got in Russia and the whistleblower mm-hmm. there. And I think that the documentary feature category will nominate uh, someone who's able to perform that level of journalism that shouldn't be performed like they you shouldn't get access to to these people and yet we get like 40 minutes of them being interviewed and them doing their jobs on screen and i can't believe it oh i mean that's a loaded category i mean we documentary feature we've been spoiled with the last few few years anyway and you know the results we poke we have our fun and say they're crazy and all that because the results are always who knows but the bottom line is to steal a phrase from you (laughs) we get we have been spoiled, spoiled with documentary features in the last couple of years and this year looks to be no exception despite how crazy uh the movie industry has been at large in 2020 we can start wrapping up by talking about uh the international film selections both what what happened at the gotham nomination announcement and the european film award nominations that came out mike yeah the efas came out and we're not going to get into too much of a historical breakdown but just to give you guys you know a uh, a taste of what they have nominated in the past in 2019 the favorite won eight times a cold war won six in 2018 even though they were at this you know eligible at the same oscars they they won it in different years at the efas mm-hmm. in terms of 2017 you had a lot of movies that eventually got nominated at the oscars win at the efas from the square loving vincent loveless on body and soul nobody predicted on body and soul would get nominated no that's incorrect the efa did so <laughs> this is another predictive category uh, or another predictive precursor much more predictive than you'd think and michael this year they nominated five best films that we've been hearing about uh, in some respects and then others that we haven't like another round mads mickelson yes. thomas vinterberg you know you and i have previewed a few times that got mm-hmm. nominated in some big categories director screen have yet to hear a single person say a bad word about that movie apparently it lands right we we talked yeah. about the trailer being something that we didn't think would land but apparently mm-hmm. it does land berlin alexander plots which is going to be your nickname going forth <laughs> I was going to say my parents were going to name me that before they decided on Mike. That's from Germany. And we got a couple German films here because Undine is the German mermaid film that I reviewed. And, of course. Uh, that is here. Corpus Christi was nominated at last year's Academy Awards. It's an awesome Polish film that I think everybody should watch from Jan Komasa. And Martin Eden. So this is how crazy this category is, Mike. Martin Eden won at Venice two years ago. Oh, wow. Notably in Best Actor. And it'll also have a Gotham nom, and we'll have another nugget about it. But that is here. And, of course, The Painted Bird, which everybody barfed and left the theater at uh, because it's so gross. It's such a gross World War II movie, and the violence is so disgusting that I refuse to watch it. It's now available on Hulu, but I'm scared of it. But that's in this five as well. Are you more scared of The Painted Bird or Swallow? I will watch Swallow before I watch The Painted Bird. But I'm gun-shy after the Oscar Olympics where I watch Son of Saul. And I'm just traumatized for mm. life. Yeah. Mm. I, can't, Good point. I can't watch The Painted Bird, especially because it's about a kid dealing with all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Can't do it. I don't blame you. 
All right, so we have some more highlights to go through for the European Film Awards. Collective and Gunda are among the doc feature noms. Damn right they are. Char- Charlatan, <laughs> you and that pig. Charlatan and Hope are both Oscar-selected films tabbed in director. Yep. Viggo Mortensen got a Best Actor nomination for his Cannes-selected film Falling. Which got terrible reviews on yeah. First Blush, by the way. And Even though I think they're going up like kind of Ammonites have been going up lately. But yeah, that's strange. It's it's just a weird year overall for a couple movies that we're going to end up talking about in awards sectors that came out and weren't universally accepted by everyone, more so than usually happens. Because right. usually with the Oscars movie that isn't accepted by everyone, it's, well, it was at least good. This year we're having movies that are getting like 30s and 40s that are turning into somewhat contenders, which doesn't usually happen. So going to be interesting to see. And uh, Mike, you'll be happy to see two of your favorite actresses from festivals got nominated with Nina Haas from My Little Sister and Paula Beer from Undine. And when I first read that copy, <clears throat> all I could think of was Paul Bearer, the Undertaker's manager from Pro Wrestling. Same person right Thank there. You. No, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Paula Beer is someone who is just growing on me every performance she does like I've talked about but I would say Nina Haas has better Oscar chances in terms of best actress if anybody does because that is quite the showcase and yeah I'm, I'm eager for a lot of people to see that movie that is a a tearjerker but kind of a crowd pleaser in a very strange way even though it is sad and uh yeah I, I that that one feels very Oscar-y to me Gotham best international feature noms Mike we yeah, have some we, uh, discussions here. Go ahead, read those. We we saved the most hair-raising for last, I guess. Ugh. For the uh, Gotham noms here for international feature, we have Baccarat, uh, which we've talked about here before, Beanpole. We reviewed the trailer, yeah. Yeah, uh, Beanpole was a harrowing trailer. That was another one that was like, why are we laughing at this? Why are this making us feel so good when we know what's going on here? Identifying features, Martin Eden, Wolfwalkers, which we've talked about a lot here recently, and probably most controversial of all, Cuties, uh, the Netflix film, right. makes the field. And we're going to address Cuties finally. I, I don't know why we haven't yet. I know we've written some copy on it. We've researched it a couple times. We just we didn't want to throw that wet blanket on a lot of episodes, but yeah. since we're wet blanketing this one, we, we got to talk about it. Bottom line, yeah. I, I know I do a lot of bottom lines, but let's talk about those first four. Uh, Beanpole, that was a 2019 Russian selection for Best International Film, so that won't carry over at the Oscars, Mike. We have Martin Eden, that's now playing on virtual cinemas, including at the Film Society at Lincoln Center, and the upcoming 2020 English language remake is going to star uh, someone I had the pleasure of interviewing last Halloween, Haley Griffith from Satanic Panic. So that's very cool. Uh, Otherwise, we have Brazil and Ireland. They have yet to pick their 2020 Oscar selections. But I'm wondering if they will pick a Baccarat. I'm, I'm wondering if Baccarat is even eligible if it was up for last year because that came out early this year. And I'm very confused because I saw it on virtual cinemas early this year and reviewed it earlier this year. So, again, you know, that, that typically is the time where you get 2019 films that you watch in 2020. So I'm, I'm confused if that's eligible, but it got not nominated to Gotham's Mike. You don't think Wild Mountain Time will sneak in under the radar there for Ireland? <laughs> Wild Mountain Time. We're going to have things to say about in our next episode. That's going to be fun because I love that trailer and hate it at the same time. Anyway, Baccarat, it's like this strange artsy action film that's really violent and really crazy. And I would be shocked if the Academy nominated it. But then again, okay. they nominate some strange movies. But before we get into the serious discussion, here's the fun discussion. Last year, we had Honeyland 
get double nominated in international feature and documentary. And we have seen many an animated film be a country's representative in terms of the international shortlist, etc., etc. This year, Ireland still has not made their pick. Wolf Walkers is the movie nominated here at the Gothams. It is a best animated feature contender that we think will happen. It's going to be on Apple TV Plus soon. It's in theaters right now. Could that be a dual nominee in animated feature and an international film this year? Wolf Walkers. I think that's interesting. Wolf Walkers is something we've we've touched on a lot here because it is so popular and because people have so many nice things to say about it. I have not gotten my hands on it yet. I just think, like I usually do when we talk about animated feature, it's just like, man, isn't it a shame that Pixar exists? Like, yeah. <laughs> in one respect, you could have these these beautiful moments to have people introduced to these films that they otherwise wouldn't see. And they still do that by, by procuring the nominations. But it just seems like that category is already open and shut, if not for the next two years already, which is something, again, we'll talk about in our next uh, episode as well. Yeah, it's another healthy category for sure. Otherwise, Mike, identifying features, that's from Kino Lorber. I've learned about it you know, today doing this research. Uh, but I did find the plot premise that reads, a mother travels across Mexico in search for her son, who authorities say died while trying to cross the border in the United States. So a tearjerker and in the Valley Jesus of Christ. in the Valley of Elaz, the the movie that, you know, comes up to me with Tommy yeah. Lee Jones there. That sounds like uh this movie. Twenty twenty is nothing but fun in the sun. Oh uh, and speaking for you and your of that sarcastic ones. tone. Yeah. Let's go into this. Yeah. Cuties, Mike. That's on Netflix. Uh, I have not watched this. You have not watched this. We have thoroughly avoided it and probably will continue to do so. I read the indictment on Wikipedia there, or some of the news about it. Yeah, look, they're they're being sued in the Texas court, Netflix is, and Netflix is standing by their film. They're being sued not only in the Texas court, but also in the court of public opinion, because a lot of people are unhappy with cuties being released on Netflix. And why are they unhappy? Well, there's bare adolescent underage genitalia shown. Uh, uh, allegedly, which Netflix is saying, I mean, we, we haven't seen it yet, but this is the story, which Netflix is proclaiming to be art. And Netflix is standing by the release of this movie saying, basically, in so many words, it's art and it's a, it's a, a piece to provoke thought, which is what helps us identify it as art. And we're going to leave it out there and you can watch it or not. And if you watch it, you're going to talk about it. Now, I think... Take that for what it's worth. Right. In terms of cuties, they do like I read the content advisory and there's nothing that says there are naked kids in the movie, but there are, you know, a lot of sexualized scenes about 11 year old girls in that I mean, movie. Even the promotional material. I mean, I've seen posters and stuff for it and they're they're kids dressed in scantily clad clothing, posing in suggestive manners. And, and that's the truth. Yeah. They, they, apparently they're clothes. So I don't think they're nude kids either in the content advisor. I, but I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't really want to watch the movie. And the yeah, fact the, that the it got quote, nominated. The quote, from, yeah, it gives me the quote from the lawsuit is depicts lewd exhibition of the genitals or pubic area of a clothed or partially clothed child who was younger than 18 years of age. It has no serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. That's from the lawsuit in Tyler, Texas. All right. Well, I got to call myself out here because I've reviewed the film Beginning, which is kind of like re- irreversible, right? And it's right. that Gaspar No film yep. that talks about the rape that shows a, a, a raped woman that is a survivor film in many ways that is very important that won the golden shell. This movie is intense, but it does pack a wallop and a thematic wallop in terms of how it portrays that event 
and it and it's an important movie in that regard. And yet, there's a film that I fast forwarded during my New York Film Festival screening with naked kids showering, naked little boys showering in that movie. Right. And look, regardless of my opinion, there are laws in place here, right? And I'm able to fast forward it, but I do think those laws are in place for a damned good reason. I mean, you should not show naked kids in a movie. I mean, I'd call me conservative for Christ's sake, but I don't think I'm just being a free speech non-idealist here when I say don't show naked kids in a movie. There are child pornography laws in place for a reason. That's fucked up. That's wrong. Don't do it. And it's in well, that Georgian film and it's in Cuties. We don't know, but it might be. I think the conversation can go two ways, and I don't even think you have to get to whether or not what your ideal ideal log your mindset about it is yeah you know freedom of speech and freedom of expression is one thing but why do we have to have it nominated is my like you could if even if it's okay to make it's your choice whether or not to watch it you don't have to watch it you know like why do you have to nominate why put it on the stage if it's that type of like i don't think it's something we want to promote we've talked regardless of how we all feel about it. we've talked about the age of consent before on this show we've talked about different mores and we've talked about European ages of consent being like 14 or 15. And we've talked about it in, in this country being 18. We've talk, we talked about that in 17 and 18 in certain states, depending on what state, when we were talking about the Me Too movement, Mike. You know, this is, I think, a situation where it's a little different, where we have these nightmarish pedophiles roaming the world. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm over-dramatizing it, but again, the child pornography laws are in place for a reason. You know, having worked with kids and high school kids and knowing full well that if they send a nude picture of themselves to somebody else, they can be prosecuted based on these laws. That the, but isn't like we isn't have these there some... we have these issues right now that we're dealing with just based on how we deal with our regular high school kids. So right. I, I mean I don't know as a lawyer how you navigate this, but in terms of like yeah, I mean in terms of an art critic, like what the fuck are we doing here? Why is this? Yeah, why but, are we bothering? Why is it in there? Like, it's two separate conversations. The conversation is does does it need to be made in the first place? I, I, I'm you know. Of course say what not. You want. You can, no, you can of feel, course. You can feel can we just say right. our opinion is? But, my opinion is, of course not. You don't. But need I think to have the more. Movie. I think the more obvious one is you, you don't. This is the only international film that could have possibly filled this slot at this award show. Like that's more offensive to me. I, I mean, like, what do you? Why? Why give this this platform? Why do this? Uh, There's a billion. We just talked about a billion other international features yeah. that could have been slotted in. So I don't. You know, again, it's too. I think it's a, a bunch of different conversations. I think there is. It's it's gross. I think there is issues all around. I mean, it's just it's tough to talk about and tough to parse through without getting passionate, especially with two people who work so closely with children throughout our lives professionally like you and I have. I mean, you're still a coach and I, and I was a substitute teacher for a time. And, you know, it, I've worked with kids in the legal aspect as well. It's just it, 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 it's tough to deal with. But you don't even have to get this far. I don't understand why Gotham felt they had no need but to nominate this film. Gotham, they have stood behind Netflix, and Netflix has stood behind them before. Netflix has taken a stand here with Cuties saying that it is, you know, artistically at least... I mean, this helps Netflix's cause well, in that Netflix aspect. I don't see how you can say film. it doesn't. They've stood by their film, right? And they say that it makes sense thematically, and they're actually showing 
this plight of young girls in a similar way that Little Miss Sunshine showed those young beauty pageants and skewered them, right, and right. made fun of them and you know basically showed what a travesty they are around the world. And you're dealing with kids that are being sexualized here, which the movie is supposedly showing is dead wrong. Now, again, the collateral damage of actually showing these young children in these compromising situations. I mean, this is why, Mike, that every time we see an actor who says she's 17, I mean, hell, I watched it last night. You know, I I looked it up just for the segment. You know, we had uh, the two actresses in Knock Knock, that Keanu Reeves movie. They are 26 and 27 saying they're 15 in the movie. And we've right. been we've had arguments from Once Upon a Time yep. in Hollywood for whatever. I mean, a 24-year-old actress is playing 15, but there's a reason that happens. You can't right. sexualize a 17-year-old actress. You won't sexualize right. a 17-year-old actress in a major right. Hollywood movie, in any movie. You don't want to. You can't. And here somebody does at least in terms of the, you know, dramatization on screen. And, yeah, I mean, it just it feels the wrath of God from not just conservatives, but a lot of people out there. I wonder how this is going to play in the room, too, the night of. I wonder if this is going to, I mean, when they read off the nominations, if that's going to get a visceral, re- if there are people in person, first of all, at all at the Gothams, who knows. But if there are, I wonder if that's going to get uh, any sort of reaction, because I can't imagine... I, 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 I just keep I, I, I'm befuddled yeah. that this movie is on this show that it got that's on that it's nominated like its existence is a different argument le- legally speaking yeah. anyway we haven't this, watched it though so I, I feel right. like I feel like a jerk criticizing well, I mean I, I don't know if we are well, criticizing it but I mean we, we well that's why I'm saying like le- just strictly legally speaking its existence does exist in a gray area yeah I, like there there is artistic merit to an idea of that and that's the that's the argument netflix takes getting it to this point is just baffling to me why unless the the of gotham's want to make headlines for the sake of being talked about why give it this platform i don't know i don't know either but i do know that uh we have talked about a lot of movies today and that's probably where we should end it you know for this oscar race checkpoint but the nominations do that to the to us mike uh they bring up a lot of films that we've we've been talking about for a long time and a bunch of new ones so we're we're curious and and genuinely you know a lot of movies that have you know caused controversy in our past on the show, you know, we don't shy away from talking about them. I mean, we got to talk about them, even if it puts a wet blanket on the end of the episode for what was otherwise a, you know, a very fun episode. Don't pay attention to the Gotham Awards, but God help you if you don't listen to every second of this episode. Is basically talking about the Gotham Awards, correct? (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) guys. uh, As always, obviously, what matters most to us is your thoughts and opinions, and we do want to hear from you. Uh, Was there a snub that you were outraged about? Do you have a take on anything we discuss with any of these Gotham Awards or any of the other awards and nominations? NYC Doc, the European Film Awards. Uh, Let us know. You can leave us all of those, as well as any comments, questions, concerns that you may have about anything we touch on here in the MMO Empire. Leave all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. If you're listening to us right now on the Apple Podcast app, if you would be so kind as to go into that app, tap on our pretty little cartoon faces and leave us a five-star review, uh, that would be really, really cool of you to do. Michael, what are some words of wisdom and what is coming next from MMO? Well, yeah, you just said it as a word of wisdom. History is very predictive, but it's also very not. 
<laughs> so that's the truth of today's episode. Everything always matters the most amount and nothing at all. Yeah. And never again. And it matters the most now, but not really going forward. So that's the Gotham Awards today. And we are, we're going to have a blast with them, you know, when they do kick off the award season, because I think they happen first as well. But all right, we're going to do another Oscar race checkpoint, I think, uh, about trailers at some point. Perhaps we keep kicking the can down the road, but maybe we'll do it sometime, someday. We're the same wishy-washy as our words of wisdom in terms of our scheduling. But we have Spectre, which we've been <laughs> kicking down the road a million times. But that's actually a movie I want to review with you, Mike, because I love and hate that film, The Next John. I have, I still have not. I can't wait to get back into it. I, all I can remember is Batista in it and powerbombing people. Yeah, and, uh, uh, all right, yeah, there's a lot to talk about with Spectre. <laughs> Hillbilly, Elegy, Mank, these are two big reviews that are going to come from us and that we will touch upon over the next uh, month or so. But, uh, you know, we've been talking about those movies for a while, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, we're due for those as well. Uh, I can't wait when this film year is starting into form, but I, I please, I please, I plead with all of you. <laughs> there's so much more to go. There is. <laughs> Don't go crazy yet, please, for the love of God. Everyone just stay calm. All right, guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.